0: Welcome back to our second session, and uh, we are going to begin with a word of prayer um, as we continue on to look at the issues the church is facing and uh, scripture as our safeguard. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with a humility of mind, uh, recognizing that, Lord, we are so inferior to your word. But we are also grateful that your word gives us meaning. It gives us worthiness. Knowing that, Lord, you fashioned us, you took time to create us in your image. Thank you for your infinite love. Father, as we humble ourselves before your word, teach us, guide us. In Jesus' name. In last session, we were talking about different issues the church is facing. Some of you were not here. But um, if I may ask randomly a question, what issues do you think are most serious facing the Adventist church? He's saying women's ordination. Anything else? Emergent church. Anything else? Biblical interpretation. Hmm, interesting. Anyone else? Secularism. Secularism. Same-sex, marriage. Same-sex marriage. Homosexuality. Anything else? Like the thing you think is the most defining issue that faces the Seventh-day administration, huh? Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Okay. So she says, uh, you may interpret the Bible, but if you're not reading the Bible, what are you interpreting? So she says reading the Bible. Anything else? The, the, the most defining issue that faces the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Interpretation of the Bible. Okay. I think you're all right. Because any issue, no matter how minor it is, and lead someone away from Christ is a serious issue. Some issues are bigger than others, like biblical interpretation is a serious issue. But I just ask so that we can gain awareness of some of the issues out there. Certainly, most of the issues can be traced to biblical interpretation. That is what you would call almost a defining issue. But I'll tell you another one. When you take your Bibles and you go to Genesis 3, what did Satan tempt the first couple with? Let's look there. Genesis chapter 3. Yes, Genesis chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1 to verse 6. Ask a volunteer to read for us those six verses, loud and clear. When you read these verses, what do you think the devil used to deceive? Temptation? Temptation? He used used God's word. Anything else? Doubt. Anything else? He used doubt. The devil used doubt to convince Eve to sin against God. Has God said so? Has God said so? Doubting the word of God. The spirit of prophet says that any time God's leaders failed Him, they failed Him because they failed to trust Him. Any time in the history of redemption, any time God's leaders, God's people failed Him, they failed Him because they failed to trust Him. The devil used doubt a seed of doubt. Has God said so? Surely you shall not die. And the chain of events, here we are today. Simple, seemingly minute, but yet so potent. Has God said so? Has God said so? Verse 4 says, The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. Surely, you shall not die if you eat of this fruit. Think of the experience of Christ in the wilderness. Let's go there. Matthew 3 3. Matthew 3. In the wilderness. So here we see Matthew 4, sorry, Matthew 4. Let's read verse 1 to verse 9. Again, we'll ask a volunteer to read it for us. Verse 1 to verse 9. Yes. The the doubt is still moving through. So you go back from Genesis. The first temptation is what? Has God said so? Has God said so? And then you come to the temptation of Christ, and we have to believe this was, you know, if there are degrees of temptation, this was the highest degree of temptation. If there was the highest degree of tempt- if the, if there are degrees of temptation, the temptation of Adam and Eve was certainly great, was one of the highest temptation. If there are degrees of temptation, the temptation of Christ suddenly was one of the highest temptations. And in all cases, there is what? If. Has God said so? If you are the son of God. If. I want to submit to you today that one of the greatest challenges we face is the doubt we have over the Bible. And I say that and substantiate that with Scripture because this is the same temptation that the devil used against the first couple, the sinless couple, by the way. Now, think about you and I. With 6,000 years of sin, he tempted the first couple with doubt, to doubt the word of God. Doubt. Has God said so? Has God said that I created you in my image? Has God said that I love you? That I love you? That I'm I'm willing to die for you? Has he said that? Has God said that he knows the numbers of your hair? Has God said that he knows you by name? Has God said that he wants to live with you forever? Has he really said that? Has God said that this world is temporal? It's temporal. That it will not last forever. Has he said that? Has Christ said that he's coming back again? Now, you'll be lying to me if you never had a single doubt in your mind. Is what I believe really true? Doubt. The serious problem we face from the lay person to the greatest theologian that the church has, from the lay lay person to the highest leader the church has, the greatest issue we have is doubting the word of God. Has God said so? And if you trace every issue we face, you can trace it to doubt. Did God create in seven days 24 hours, seven days. Did God create in those days? Did God create male and female? And he meant them to have husband, marriage to be between husband and wife. Did God do that? Did he? Doubt. You see? You can trace it. You can trace it in all the issues that we face. Therefore, he begs our highest and utmost attention to seriously have unflinching confidence in the Word of God. I think it was A.T. Jones. Um, I forgot the title of the book. Uh, faith, something faith? Living by faith. Living by faith. 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 There's a certain chapter they have there on uh, creation and evolution, and he says a profound statement. He says, if you believe that between God speaking something and something coming into existence, there was time, even if it's seconds, you are an evolutionist. Think about that. If you think between God speaking and there was time between God saying and that something coming into existence, where is your faith? Because the Bible says that God spoke and he came into existence. It came into existence. God didn't depend on hundreds of years for something to mature, for something to fully develop, to come into existence. It makes sense. The moment you think there is time between God saying something and something coming into existence, you've embraced evolution. Because when when some says that he commanded, he spoke, Things came into existence. There was no time. Things came into existence. God commanded and it came into being. So we see the temptation of Eve and Adam. We see the temptation of Christ. Doubt. Doubt is at the foundation of every issue the church is facing. Doubt is at the foundation of us not depending on the word of God. Because if I knew this was the Word of God, if I fully believed this was the Word of God, how many hours would I spend studying the Word of God? How much time would I spend with the Word of God? So notice this, and this may be controversial to some of you, how the time I spend with the Word of God, the time I spend with the Word of God, how it reflects my belief in the Word of God. Do you see a correlation? The time I spend with the Word of God reflects my belief in the Word of God. If I believe the Word of God has power, power to transform my lives. As Paul says in Romans 1, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. The power of God to change your life and my life. I believe it takes more power to convert than to create. I don't know why. It takes more power to change a person's life than to create. Do you know why? Because in, com- in, in the person's conversion, a person has to choose. They are not forced. But God can speak, and the planet exists, and the planet will not debate with God, with its existence. But the transformation, the change of a person's heart, you debate God. Have you said so? Can I trust you? There is free will involved. Test him. Test and see that he is good. Not test with T E S T. Test. T-A, read your Bible, again, <laughs> read your Bible. The time we spend in the Word reflects also our conviction of the Word. Amen? Because salvation comes by what? Hearing. By hearing. And hearing? By the Word of God. Salvation comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. It is the Word of God that changes us. So the, the, the less time we spend in the Word of God is a reflection of our doubt of the power of the Word of God to change us, to give us guidance, to give us comfort in life, to guide our lives. So when we, are, when we start talking about Scripture as our safeguard, we must start right here and now with our time with God. Amen. Amen. It Amen? must start. On our knees, studying the Word of God. Because this is our only safety. Fortifying our minds with the Word of God. You notice a day that you rush out of the home without reading the Bible, without spending time with God. I don't know about you, but I've noticed it often in my life, that whenever I've had one of those you know, uh, quick fix devotion. My day is miserable. I don't know about you, but my day is miserable. I can't seem to coordinate my day. I can't seem to focus. To reach a place and a time where you depend on God, that you can't leave your home without spending time with him. We're talking about living in a time of crisis. In the time to make a choice, in the time to choose, for every moment, every single second counts the choices we make. I'm reminded of the life of Martin Luther, who say that when he was facing the, most, the, the greatest trials of his life, he spent the more he increased the time he spent with God. You know? When Ellen White says that the the Great Reformation, the Reformation came from out of five hours of prayer. Five hours. You know, when we talk about 15 minutes, some people are already falling asleep. Only 15 minutes. You can imagine, five hours. This is wrestling. This is what the Bible says, wrestling with God. Jacob's wrestling with God. Wrestle with God. And the way these guys prayed, if you ever seen priests, when they are being ordained, they lay flat on their belly. This is five hours of agonizing with God on your belly. On your belly, wrestling with God. Five hours. So, you know, as Lennywise says, Christ accomplished much because he attempted much. Because he attempted much. Attempt to spend more time with God and see changes. Powerful changes. Peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to read you one quote here from the Spirit of Prophecy. It says, this is found faith Faith I Live By page 168. It says, in the annals of human history, the growth of nations, the rise and fall of empires, appear as dependent on the will and the progress of man. The shaping of events seems to, to a great degree to be determined by man's power, ambition, or caprice. But in the word of God, the curtain is drawn aside. We behold behind, above, and through all the play and the counterplay of human interests, and power and passions, the agencies of all the merciful one, silently, patiently working out the counsels of his own will. What is she saying? What is she saying? She says, without the word of God, we see the chains of history as though it's because of man. With the word of God, it's as though the curtain is removed and we see the hand of God moving, moving. And So by studying the word of God, we see these things happening. We see God behind everything. We see God behind everything. I remember sitting in a small Bible study. And the person was giving a a study on Daniel, too. And when I went in the library, our university library, and I found that what God said in the Bible was also in history, I said, This is the God I want to commit my life to. If God can predict the future from Daniel chapter 2, the whole statue, you know, Babylon, Middle Persia, Greece, and Rome, on the whole way to the toes, and you see how it matches, I mean, chronologically with history. I mean, such accuracy, you know, such accuracy of events. This is the God I want to commit my life to. This is the God I want to give my life to. And from there and then, I gave my life to Christ. By the word of God, a curtain is removed. We behold above, below, behind, in all things, we behold the hand of God moving things. You know, it was the French philosopher, Voltaire. When Voltaire said, when he died, before he died, he said, a hundred years from his time, Christianity will no longer exist. A hundred years from his time. And you know, a few years after his death, Geneva Bible Study bought his house, and they started printing Bibles from his home. Voltaire, a famous French philosopher, 100 years from his time, he said, I predict Christianity will be dead 100 years from now. And a few years after his death, the Geneva Bible study moved in, let's move in, you know. Bought the house, put in a printing press, and they started producing Bibles. The Word of God is moving forward. The Word of God is our only safety, is our only guidance. And so, I want to give you four points, four points why the Word of God is so potent, why the Word of God is so powerful, why the Word of God... We cannot afford to neglect the Word of God. Amen? We cannot afford to neglect the Word of God. And we begin our study in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 1. And the first point is this, the Word of God in creation, the Word of God in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We'll have a volunteer read it for us. Genesis 1, chapter 1. Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Yes. Notice what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Think about that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, read it all the way to verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? There was light. He said, and there was light. Now, underline this in your Bibles, on your iPod, or whatever. Verse 3 says, then God said, God said. Notice verse 3, God said. Then look at verse 6. Then God said, let there be an expanse. Verse 6. Verse 9 says, then God said. Verse 11, then God said, verse 14, then God said, verse 20, then God said, verse 24, then God said. In the beginning, God created. He spoke. He commanded and things came into existence. God said, underline God said. We see the word of God in creation. That God used his word. That's why God cannot just say anything like you and I say. Because God's word is powerful. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that the grass withers, but the word of God stands forever. And whatever it sets out to do, the word of God does what? Accomplishes it. So whatever God says, it has to be accomplished. You see what I'm saying? And it's not just saying, that also is a reflection of his thoughts, of his mind. Because as the heart is, so the mouth speaks. Because even if God thinks of something, it comes to existence. It comes out of the mouth. So God cannot just say anything. So you notice, God said, God said, every act of creation, God said, God said. The word of God in creation. Let's turn quickly to Psalms 33. Psalms 33. Psalm 33, verse 8 and verse 9. Psalms 33. Sur- Psalm 33, verse 8 and verse 9. Anyone can read it for us. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and stood fast. The word of God in creation. I want you to see the word of God acting out in creation. And lastly, on this point, let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, by faith. I love this. I love this passage. Let me, let me get there quick. By faith we understand that the worlds were created. By faith. It is by faith. By faith. We understand the words were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Notice the verse what it says. We understand that the things which appear were made by things which are invisible. The invisible things of God created the visible things of God. The visible were created, created the invisible things, the the visible things of God. The Word of God, which is invisible, created the physical world. The Word of God in creation. Amen? The Word of God in creation. The Word of God as our safeguard. The Word of God as our safety net. The Word of God our security, as our protection. The Word of God in creation. Now let's look, second point, the Word of God in sustaining creation. Matthew 4, verse 4. The Word of God in sustaining creation. Matthew verse 4, Four verse, chapter 4, verse 4. Which should be familiar to all of us. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 4. It is written that that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the (coughs) mouth of God. So God created, but God has to do what? Sustain creation. So not only did God create, but also he has to sustain creation. How is this creation sustained? It is sustained by the word of God. It is sustained by the word of God. Amen? But not only is this sustained, there was also entrance of sin. And therefore the world needed to be what? Redeemed. Then we see the word of God in redeeming. And we go to we go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verse 14 word of god notice that in creation it is the word of god in sustaining creation it is the word of god in the redeeming creation it is the word of god do you notice the flow the logic that everything the logic is the word of god the chain that runs through it is the word of god I mean, we are talking about Scripture as our safety. Scripture as our safeguard. The Word of God throughout every aspect of our lives. It is the Word of God. So, first, Scripture in creation. Secondly, Scripture in sustaining creation. Thirdly, Scripture in redeeming creation. The word of God in redeeming creation. I want you to see when we doubt the word of God, what we are doubting. We are doubting our own existence itself. Because we live by the word of God. We live by the word of God. It's like doubting that if I eat this food, I will not be full. It will not nourish me. And therefore, I'm going to starve myself. And none of us do that. You know? None of us do that. We would rather eat all the junk but eat, you know? We'd rather eat all the junk but eat. But you see consistently over and over again the word of God in every aspect of our lives that all our lives are intertwined with the word of God. You can't separate the two. The moment you separate the two, It means death. It means death. And that is what happened to Adam and Eve. The moment they separate themselves from the word of God, here we are. 6,000 years later. 7,000 years later. Here we are. The word of God. The word of God. The last scripture I want to give you is the word of God in in, in the judgment the word of God in the judgment 2nd Peter chapter 3 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 5 to verse 7 2nd Peter anyone 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse notice verse 7 what it says by this very word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. That The word of God holds the entire creation. It is reserving, the word of God is reserving the entire creation for, to be reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment. The word of God in the judgment. Amen? The word of God in the judgment, my friends, So we see the Word of God in creation, the Word of God in sustaining creation, the Word of God in redeeming creation, and the Word of God in the judgment. That all life is infused with the Word of God. You cannot separate the two. Scripture as our safeguard. Scripture as our safeguard. That's why I began by saying the moment we doubt God's Word, it is the moment that we do what? It is the moment that we step away from the Word of God. I'll find you the quotation, the exact quotation. Um, it just came to mind. Spiritual prophecy says, If I have no desire to study the Bible, it is assured that I have no love for Christ. Let me repeat that, and I'll find you a quotation. If I have no desire to study the Bible it shows that I have no love for Jesus Christ. I'll find you the quotation. I have it on my computer. The word of God, our creation, the word of God in sustaining creation, the word of God in redeeming creation, the word of God in the judgment. This is why scripture is our safety. This is why scripture is our protection. This is why the Bible is the only worthy source to form our worldview. To shield us from all the challenges, from all the issues that the church is facing. This is why scripture is the only thing, it is the only worthy guide in our lives. Let's study the Bible. But well, when we study the Bible, it fortifies our mind. It gives us a worldview. It pulls the curtain, and we are able to see the hand of God working through our lives. That behind everything that is happening in life, we are able to see the word of God. We are able to see the hand of God in our lives. Scripture as our safeguard. And the question is, why don't we study Scripture more? Why don't we s- spend time in the Word of God? Why not? For the Bible, if the Bible, if we truly believe that the Bible is our only safeguard, we ought to spend more time in the Word of God. I want us to read the last, uh, the last uh, um, passage here, and uh, it's in Peter as well. Moment, I can find a quick reference here. <clears throat> the last passage here, and it's 2 Peter as well. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 19. To which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Verse 20. But know this, first, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit sp- spoke from God. Verse 19 is what I want us to focus on. You read verse 16, verse 17, and verse 18. It says, basically says, here we are, watching Christ being transfigured. This is Peter. I was, Peter was with John and James on the Mount of Transfiguration. As they saw Christ being transfigured, He said, we saw this with our own eyes. But he said, but we have something greater than that. We have the word of God. What does he mean? We saw something with our own experience. With our own experience, we experienced it. But guess what? I trust the word of God more than my experience. Think about that. He says, I, we have the word of God made more sure than even the experience he had on the Mount of Transfiguration. So we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he begins there. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We experienced it. We saw it. But he moves on to verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. That the word of God is much more sure than our experience. And oftentimes, we elevate our experience than the word of God. And I always tell young people, I always say this. You know, especially a couple of days ago, something, uh, we were having a discussion with my sister-in-law. She's, uh, she's younger. And she was asking me, you know, so how, if you're thinking about, you know, dating someone in a relationship, how will you know a person until maybe you start dating? You know, how will you know about all marriage unless, you know, you're dating different people, get to know them, and stuff like that? And so that when the time comes for marriage, the decision will be made based on what? Experience. Experience. You see, that's what happens. That experience is made best, I mean, this decision is made based on experience. Oh, I've seen this, I don't like this. I've seen this, I don't like this. I I think I can live with this. Based on experience, you see? That's how we are making decisions. But the Word of God says we have the prophetic word made more sure than experience. Amen? Amen. amen? amen? Somebody ought to be saying amen. Because now you know you, have, you don't have to suffer many broken hearts <laughs> to make that decision. Amen? 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 God is good. So that we have the word of God made much more sure than our own experiences. Than our own experiences. I mean, if you think about scripture. Think about people like Daniel. I mean, I, I always try to envision how in, what was going on in his mind, you know, as he was led to the lion's den. I mean, you know, just thinking about the first bite, how it will go. <laughs> you know, just thinking about just as he's falling down and the lions just opening up. But he said, you know what? I will trust the word of God. I've never experienced, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing. It's like I've never experienced what the word of God says. I know what experience will do to me, but I want to experience that reality that I have no clue about. In other words, joys that we have never experienced. A reality, it's a completely different reality. That reality, I mean, that's why people today doubt that Jonah will spend three days in the belly of the whale. Well. Because that is, that is a reality that we can never perceive today. You know, scientifically, you can never perceive it. You think about Daniel and the lion's then it's like nearly impossible. But that is what happens when we trust the word of God. When we trust the word of God, the, the word of God will lead us to experience to heights of joys unknown before. Amen? Instead of making a decision based on human experience, based on contemporary philosophies, because believe me or not, Even contemporary philosophies are experiences. They are experiences. Contemporary philosophies, they are experiences. I'll I'll, I'll tell you one one, one, uh, (laughs) famous uh, statement by a very famous philosopher. His name is Whitehead. He said that all Western philosophy is a footnote to Plato. You know that, right? You've seen that. All Western philosophy, all these ideals of Western civilization is a footnote. Not even a chapter, but a footnote to Plato. Think about it. The next time you want to make a decision based on uh, the latest findings uh, in uh, sociology or you know, psychology, think about it, that you're making a decision based on someone's footnote. But I thank God that his word is more sure you know, that we stand on a solid platform. We stand on the rock, the Word of God. I mean, that's why the Word of God is still alive today. You know, that's why the Word of God is still alive today. Think about everything the Word of God has went through, but is still here today. I mean, when I read about that, I just, I just get goosebumps. I get inspired, you know, just reading about where well, the Word of God, just the book, not a person, just the book. The Word of God, what it has went through. Obviously, we know the Word of God is also Christ with us. You know. So, but you think about what the Bible has went through, the different persecution, different transformation, but it, it is still the number one sold book in the world. I mean, if you are the author, thank God you're not. If you are the author, you'll be a millionaire right now, a billionaire. You know? You'll be beating out uh, Bill Gates and others. But thank God for the Bible. That's why we should spend time with that's why, you know, we're living, in, we're living in Canada. Canada is one of the most secular nations in the Western civilization. And our challenge here for you and me is to live by the word of God. You may not convince someone, you may not give them, uh, you may not convince them intellectually, but at least your life, can show that there is something different in your life because of the power of the Word of God. And in these last days, and especially us living in a in a, in, a, in a in a secular environment like Canada, you know, by the which Canada is more secular than the U.S., you own, you know that, right? Um. The only credible way. that we can present a gospel is to be consistent and have a consistent life, which is the greatest argument for Christianity, a consistent life. You know, for those who are not here, I began by sharing a story of how I met a Hindu yesterday on a plane. So I told him I'm a vegetarian, and his eyes lighted up you're a vegetarian, my goodness who's a vegetarian, you know it's like, this, this black guy is a vegetarian <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like I'm like, I'm a vegetarian, I'm an African vegetarian, It's like, what? but that opened a door to share with him why I'm a vegetarian you know, and so he, he asked me and that, believe me, or he asked me, could you send me links to this, you know so I'm going to nicely draft a nice email, you know and send it to him. He said, could you send me the links? Why are you a vegetarian? I say, tell me why you're a vegetarian. So I told him a little bit, you know, just to, to, to draw his interest. And he said, I want more. So he gave me his email. He gave me his contact information. So as soon as I have a chance, i write up something and send it to him. I didn't have to convince him the logic of the Christian faith. But I told him about my life, how I live, how I chose this life. Actually, it's a simple life. I would be happy, as, as my good friend would say, even if there was no heaven, I would still choose this life. Even if there was no heaven, think about it. Even if there was no heaven, would you still choose this life? I would still choose this life because it is peaceful. It is comforting. Okay? But it is peaceful and comforting because of Jesus Christ. Let's rise and pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord, for the privilege to study your word. We are thankful for your word, Lord. And Father, at this time we want to honestly ask for forgiveness. For we do not spend enough time in your word. We ask forgiveness for we have neglected the study of your word. We have shown doubt towards your word. From this moment on, Father, we implore you, we beg you, that you may turn our hearts towards your word. Give us a hunger, a hunger for your word, unquenching thirsty for your word, to understand your word, to study and read your word, to meditate upon your word day and night, that we may be like that righteous man, who walks not in the counsels of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of this But his delight is in your word. That we may delight in your word. We may delight in taking shelter in your word. We may delight in sitting in your word. We may delight in walking in your word. We may delight living our lives according to your word. That we may delight in reflecting your word to others. Father, we recognize that we can't do any of this unless your Holy Spirit fills us our heart. And we recognize that the prerequisite to revival is your word. So revive our desire for your word. Revive our hearts by studying your word. For when we study your word, you shall send us your revival. Thank you, Father. We commit the rest of our lives, the rest of this day, and the program in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.